This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 Fan in Dallas. Your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys joins as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation on that very same 105.3 fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. He is the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network, and he is the co-host and uh, really the godfather of the draft show on DallasCowboys.com. Brian, how are you doing today? And yes, as mentioned, that is Bobby Belt of uh, 105.3 The Fan. He's a Cowboys insider. He also has his own show that you need to give a listen to, 5.30 to 10, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Co-host, uh, host with, uh, on, of course, this uh, Love of the Star, which, by the way, thank you to everybody out there for making us as popular as we've been. Yes. We do appreciate you very, very much. Seriously, I'm I'm not uh, not bluffing on this one. You guys make this what it is. So thank you for that. Bobby's also on the draft show, and we're getting ready for that. Robert, I'm doing great. My LSU Tigers, my women Tigers. I lost 200 followers on on Twitter <laughs> because of defending my uh, Institute of Higher Sports. Uh, I'm not going to say higher learning. I'm going to say higher sports because that was the 50th national championship for all our sports teams at Louisiana State University. So uh, if you're one of those folks that dropped me because of my LSU love, I'm really sorry about that, but uh, I'll try and do my best for you on these podcasts. How about that? Here's here, here's here's what I'll say. And, and There's I, some Kate, Kim Mulkey hate out there right now. I love, this isn't even about Kim. Love you, Brian. I love David Hellman, another LSU grad. You're going to call us arrogant, aren't you? You're going to call no, us I, arrogant no. LSU fans. Like people I, have I, done that. They're like, I didn't realize how arrogant LSU fans are. Oh, I I, I realized it. Here's what I I will just say. You you got to admit this. You guys may be the most insufferable winners on the face of the earth. When you win, no question. Since no you question. let every there there is no question that you've won. You will. We, we don't have to wonder who won last night. You'll you'll let us know. Colin Baton Rouge. Shout out, uh, Garth Brooks there. Uh, there you yeah. Go. Yeah, my Baton Rouge. There you go. Brian uh, flashing the Colin Baton Rouge shirt. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, it, it, I'll say that. I, one of my favorite stories in the world, and I'll tell this really quickly, uh, David Hellman, uh, the year that LSU really started popping off and really started winning some games. Um, something to beat Texas opening day? No, it just was around that. It was like the fourth week of the season, something like that. We're in the locker room, and Jason Witten walks up to Hellman. Uh, this was 2019, I guess. And uh, as you know, if a player approaches you in the locker room and says, hey, I, I want to talk to you, that's not always a good thing. That's scary. That's a scary – because I've had Jason Witten go, hey, I want to talk to you, and almost grab my shirt to drag me outside. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand what's going on. That's what that's what happened. How I walked up to him and he said, Dave, I want to talk to you. And Dave was like, uh-oh. What, like it said later, he's like, what did I write? What did I say? And Witten tells him, he says, uh, Dave, you ever seen me score a touchdown before? He's like, yeah. He's like, what, what, what do I do when I score a touchdown? He says, uh, I, I don't know. What do you mean? And he goes, just, you know, walk in the end zone, take the ball, toss it back to the ref. Uh, you, know, you know, did you ever see Walter Payton score a touchdown? Score, you just kind of toss the ball back. Uh, you know, Reggie... Reggie White, Bruce Smith, 
get sacks, get back to the huddle. So you saw that? It's like, yeah, yeah. So he goes, well, what are you, what are you saying? He goes, yeah, all right. I just want to make sure you see that. So my question is, um, why after winning a couple games, can't LSU act like they've bleeping been there before? And he's like, my God, you guys act like you've won the blanket national championship. It's week four. And like, just starts ri- And Dave goes like, leave me alone. I th- but Dave, like, Heavy, like, oh my gosh, thank God, that's all it was. But uh, Witten, hey, said- Jason Witten, Jason <laughs> Witten, MF and you is not a fun thing. I, and I and I was on the staff that brought him to the Cowboys. So when he grabbed me, it was like he he. I mean, he launched into every other word was an f bomb. Like, mm. and I I just sit there and I'm like, okay, you know. But there was something I said and. He just wasn't happening, happy about it, and he wasn't having any of it. So I understand where Hellman was. When a player walks up to you and says, hey, man, can I have a word with you? Then you, you're like, <laughs> okay, here we go. But, yeah, LSU, we've uh, – yeah, we – I will say this. When LSU loses and people come after me, I'll take it. I'll take it. I won't fight back. I'll just take it and all that. But, man, there were – if you look at – and again, the number of calls that were made, the technical foul, I tweeted out to a friend of mine who's an Iowa grad, and I said, I think she fired the ball to the, at the officials. Well, you look at it, it really wasn't at the officials, but if you look at the final report, Iowa had got a warning about delay of game, and that was her, that wasn't, the first delay of game was early, I think in the second, and then that particular play happened later, so they it was their second warning, which was a technical. So that was from the officials' report. Now, if you go through, and again, folks, I know you're here for draft coverage, but I'm just saying this <laughs> real quick because if you fought with me, this is what I understand. If you look at the statistics, both teams were got the, basically the same number of fouls called. You know, I mean, it was like. And I know Kim Mulkey, she's on the floor. Hell, I mean, I could go all the way back to Pat Summit when she used to be at Tennessee, and she would get out on the floor. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's a tough situation. I'm just going to tell you this, though. LSU played better than Iowa yesterday. LSU was a better basketball team than Iowa. And Iowa's got some really good players. But the, the officials, if you think the officials were the reason why that game went the way it did, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to lose more followers saying that, but I'm sorry. You know, LSU outplayed Iowa yesterday, much like Iowa outplayed South Carolina to get into the finals. Well, we are uh, getting closer to uh, the NFL draft, Brian, after, after your rampant LSU homerism and blinded defense of crooked officiating. Uh, we are getting closer to the NFL draft. I'll be honest, Brian. I didn't watch one second of the game, so I don't know if it was yeah. crooked or not. But uh, we are getting closer to the NFL draft. You can tell by the way you're reacting you didn't watch one second of the game. I know. I was but just like, almost, man, but, that is crazy. But like, like millions of people did. It was one of the I know they did. Millions of people did. <laughs> So I know they, hey, I know they did. I, I'm proud of LSU, but uh, we'll go on. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to waste seven minutes. <laughs> no, it's good. Today. It's good. We need it. We need it. We needed to explain all that. No, but we are getting closer to the NFL draft now. We are uh, inside of a month now. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you that are on the YouTube right now, you can go ahead. Uh, let us know. Give us your prediction right now for pick 26. Who do you think the Cowboys take at pick 26? Uh, just drop the name in the comments here on the YouTube. Uh, and we will read some of your predictions next time on Love of the Star. Uh, but, Brian, as we inch closer to pick 26, we're starting to get some reports about this 30-visit list, yeah. which are national visitors that the Cowboys are bringing in. Uh, Calvin Watkins from the Dallas Morning News, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, Tom Pelissero Tom of NFL Network, all reporting uh, a few different names in the last couple of days. So we're going to cover some of these that we see on the 30-visit list now for the Cowboys. And, the first one I bring up, want to bring up is the one that's most interesting to me, and that is Zay Flowers. Yeah. You're visiting Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers, who is a good player, but, man, this is uh, this is the equivalent to me of if, um, like, if Chris Richard would have visited Denzel Ward, where it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. This guy just has limitations that uh, don't check boxes that you want. 
Uh, Zay Flowers is a, a slot only receiver. He is not going to play outside at the next level. And Mike McCarthy has typically not been a fan of slot only receivers. Um, the only time that Robert Prince has been okay with slot specific receivers, the receivers coach, is if they are excellent route runners. I think Zay Flowers is a really good route runner. Uh, I think he could improve. I think he could be better. He could be a little tighter, but the the skill set is there to be an excellent one. Um, but maybe that's where this is coming from. Maybe Prince just sees the tools for him to be an elite route runner or the, or the scouts see, hey, he's got the tools to become what Robert Prince has asked us to look for in receivers. Uh, but your thoughts in general on Zay Flowers as a player and then specifically that the Cowboys bring him in here on a 30 visit. Yeah, at, at 5'9", 182, I thought this was really a fun player to study. And, you know, my, my first line was, is not as big as a minute, but makes every single play that's thrown his way. And, you know, you see the start-stop quickness about him. He can make defenders look silly in the open field. He could be going 100 miles an hour, then stop on a dime, and then redirect and go another way. So he has a very keen sense of how to play in small spots. And, I mean, like when it's a tight area, he's able to kind of navigate his way uh, because he's got outstanding balance, body control. He's hard to get a really good shot on because of the quick, quickness and the movement. Catches the ball well on the move. I mean, he just can use him for all kinds of plays. And I and I I kind of felt like that, you know, that's what you're talking about. That that guy that plays in the slot that is a mismatch player that's got the quickness, it's got the agility, uh, he's got the ability to finish. And I, I kind of feel like that when you watch him on film, he's one of those guys that appears to be having fun playing the game, you know. And I I like players like that. Like, you know, he's making guys miss. He's, you know, finishing plays, you know, you see a, a, a happy, smiley guy, you know, in that way, because, you know, he just loves playing the game. That's where I think it, it's really maybe a shift on the way that Mike McCarthy is thinking about uh, about his team, because traditionally you wouldn't say you're right. I, I, slot only players are not something that we've seen, you know, Mike McCarthy, and they've even talked about it. You know, they've even talked about those guys that, they might not be the best fit. So the fact that Zay Flowers is a 30-visit guy, I maybe there's a little bit of a, a shift in philosophy, but like my old boss Ron Wolf from the Packers used to say, you know, if you're a short guy, small guy, you better walk on waters. And Zay Flowers has some of those abilities where he can walk on water for you a little bit. Yeah, I so, I mean, I, I really think he's a good player. Uh, I, I think that the traits are really impressive to be an elite route runner. Um, I, I mean, the the quickness, the speed, the, the footwork, it's all really, really great. Um, do you feel at times like that, that, that speed and that quickness is almost can be a detriment to him a little bit in terms of like, it almost feels at times like there's, there's no pace to his route running at all. Like, like, like he almost feels a little hurried at times. Well, and yeah, yeah. The, the, the quickness of hurry up, get up, feel like that causes some drops at times. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, slot only, he's, he's not a very strong guy. Uh, so, I mean, that that's going to be one of the reasons he's never going to be able to play outside, I don't think. Um, he's not going to be able to, to get off a of press that way. I mean, unless the releases are just absurd. Um, but smaller body type uh, could become a more polished route runner. Uh, drops can be an issue at times, but I mean, a, a really good player. I just, I'm surprised because I know hands have always been a big thing for the Cowboys in their evaluation. Yeah. And obviously the ability to play all three positions. I, I think with this guy, there's a really good shot. He's not going to be there when you pick. I, I mean, I know mm-hmm. they're bringing him in and, you know, maybe that if that's the case, maybe he's the best player on their board when they, if, if in fact he does make it to 26, you know, maybe they'll stack him in a way that uh, he would be there. I just feel like to me, when you watch him of of the of the shorter receiver guys that we're trying to evaluate, you know, I don't see Addison. I just see Addison from USC as being more of a lighter guy, slider guy, not a shorter yeah. guy. But when you start to talk about those guys like Flowers, Scott of Cincinnati, Downs of North Carolina. Mims of Oklahoma, you know, uh, Washington from Penn State, you know, when you when you start to talk about those shorter players, Flowers, I think, is the head of all those guys. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's a really, really good shot about him not being 
there. Now, I don't consider Smith and Jigba like a short guy. I mean, when you start to talk about the under the five nines and under guys, but but Flowers, Scott, Downs, Mims, Washington, Dell is another one from Houston. Tank you know, Dell, yep. There, I just named off what six guys right there that you've got to figure out. But there's a side of me that believes when you watch Flowers play, it's where you have to get Flowers. You might be able to get Dell. You know that same to me a very similar type of player when you when you look at the way he plays. So yeah, it, depending on where you want, I mean, that's the thing about these shorter guys. Flowers will probably be gone before the Cowboys pick. That would be my guess. But uh, but there, there's several of these really the shorter good players. Scott I mentioned, Downs I mentioned, Mims and Dell Washington in that crew as well from Penn State. Now, one of the other receivers that they're going to visit here based off of uh, the the reports from Ian Rappaport, uh, they are going to visit Jalen Hyatt, the receiver from Tennessee. Right. A, an absolute burner uh, as a receiver. I actually kind of have wondered if if they're trying to do things with the West Coast and, and uh, you know, looking for maybe more of a true prototype X, I've kind of wondered if the other Tennessee receiver might make some sense for them. Uh, in like the third round, a guy like Cedric Tillman. Yeah. Uh, not the biggest Tillman fan. Um, but when you look at Jalen Hyatt, uh, Brian, I, I, I don't know about you. I know there have been some uh, comparisons to Deshaun Jackson with Jalen Hyatt. I, I don't yeah. think that's a bad one. I'll tell you the guy that he kind of reminded me of as a prospect. I'm like, he reminded me of Will Fuller. You remember yeah. Will Fuller? Yeah, sure so- do. That, that was, Dame, that was right? kind of the guy. Yeah, yeah. So if, if Will Fuller wouldn't have gotten just hurt his entire career, yeah. uh, the, then I think that that's sort of the player that Jalen Hyatt is. But obviously just a, a blur uh, running downfield. Yeah, that's, you know, and you mentioned Cedric Tillman on the opposite side from Tennessee. Tillman is 6'3", 213 pounds. And just to kind of talk about him just a little bit before I talk about Hyatt, this guy, Tillman, he reminds me of what the Chargers play with. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a steady route runner, come back to the ball, that kind of, you know, that big body guy that can't run great, runs well enough. But, you know, you're, you're, you mentioned that about the potential, you know, for, you know, for uh, the West Coast, the inside game and stuff like that. I mean, he, this guy will catch the ball in traffic, Tillman. And I, I, I do, I do, I do like him quite a bit. Now, you know, when you mentioned Hyatt, I mean, every every time there was like a big play, and trust me, I watched my beloved LSU Tigers play Tennessee at a game in Death Valley there in Baton Rouge, and these receivers just destroyed LSU in the second. The ball was going down the field, and Jalen Hyatt's a big part of that. He is a tall, I mean, tall like he's lean. He's six foot. He's one seventy six. He just runs through defense. I mean, he just runs through him like nothing. I mean, if you don't stop him or slow him down, he gains separation just like right off the jump. So, like, I put in my notes like a home run hitter in every sense of the word. The good hands, the ability to adjust in him, made several big plays where he had to adjust over his head, like, you know, but his length, he has the length to stretch for a ball no matter where it was thrown. So, the tracking part of it, I even said this in my notes, one of the best finishers in college football when you watch him. And you can see he plays at a different speed than everyone else. There was a very famous player at uh, Tennessee, a receiver named Willie Galt. And mm-hmm. I remember one time Willie Galt, he, Willie Galt was a track guy. and super, 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 super fast. And one time I remember sitting in a meeting and my boss goes at the time goes, uh, well, Ron Wolf goes, uh, he's talking about Willie Galt. And he says, you know what? You know, look at Willie Galt play. You watch Willie Galt play. You know what Willie Galt's got different than everybody else? His socks move faster than everybody else's socks. And I'm, I, we all kind of looked at you know, and it, <laughs> it made sense. He's yeah. faster. I mean, he, you know, Jalen Hyatt's socks are faster than everybody else's socks. You know, that's what oh, you I, mean. I, we we were in Indy. I was watching it. You go downstairs to uh, one of the hotels there. Oh, they're training in the in the in the and, hallway. And and oh, Exos that's, that's trains downstairs do in one of the ballrooms. Yeah, he he ran 
that's one of the few guys, and I've seen it a couple times, but that's one of the few guys that when you're standing there watching him run, he yeah. looks blurry. Yeah. He looks blurry when he runs by you. That's how fast he is. And so just absolutely ridiculous there. Obviously, the question's about being 176 pounds. Yeah. He's going to get the the questions about, is he going to be able to get off of press? Um, because I think there are times you see that when when is guys... He C- is he C.D. Lamb? Is he C.D. Lamb body and weight-wise? Uh, C.D. was a little heavier, uh, CD was like 190. Um, and was so CD, he that much? Yeah, yeah. CD was a little bit heavier. Why, why do I think I, I I could go back and look at my notes? Why am I doubting maybe, you, Bobby? I shouldn't doubt you here, but I'm doubting yeah, because you. maybe I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot, but he uh, I believe he was uh, 190 coming out. Uh, I'll look right now. CD Lamb, he was 198 at the combine. What? Yeah. I don't remember him being okay. My bad. Then I don't. Re- CD Lamb to me seems like a very, very uh, long finish guy. Why well, was well? He was six two. He was six two, so he was two yeah. inches taller. Right. right. And so he is. He is thinner built. Um, but yeah, I don't know. With Hyatt, there are times you see that yeah, if people do get physical with him. He can get knocked off the route. There's the old, uh, the old Corey Coleman question with Hyatt for some people about like, well, what's the route tree? Like he's just, he's running, you know, he's kind of limited on what he's shown. Can he run the full route tree? Some of that's at play with Hyatt, but overall a a really good receiver. It's just questions about the, the, the play strength. Can he play all the positions at receiver? And then is that the right fit at receiver for this? If what they're trying to do is the West coast. Yeah. It's funny. I just looked at my notes on CD lamb. He was 6'1", 192 is what we had in the measurements. 448 is what we had. I man, why do I I thought he was a much thinner player. Okay, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I uh, no, just, just just the point of when you see Hyatt even with yeah. the skill set that he has that's really good. Is that the skill set that fits what they're trying to do with this offense? Like I mean, is it, he doesn't strike me as a West Coast like like it doesn't feel like they're going to be taking a lot of vertical shots with Hyatt. So is that really the, the, the type of receiver you're trying to add here to what you're doing? I kind of felt like with Hyatt that there were times where he did catch in traffic, you know? But the scheme... Not, not oh, that he can't. Not that he can't. It's just I don't know that you've seen him run the route tree that'll be used. Oh, as, no, 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 no. They, 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 they're snapping the ball every 20 seconds there, you know, every 23. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, the route tree is, no, it's it's not. It's not what, you know. But but when you, I I... I the, the guy's got traits of like his ability to like adjust to the ball, you know, and able to finish. And, you know, it, it just, it, you know, the, the scheme kind of moves him around. I, I did say we'll likely need some polish as a route runner, but don't see that as a huge issue. Plenty of passes where he's wide open on the play. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're getting with the guy. I think there's that ability. I think there's an ability to, to uh to be a better route runner. I think you're absolutely right about that. Or you're asking you're me if I think that he's he yeah, can do that. Yeah, and I, yeah and I, I I think he can. I think he can. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars and Odyssey. And CD Lamb. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. 
Uh, we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media yeah. of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, let's run through a couple of these other names here. And, and and we'll flesh out the position a little bit around this next name because I think it's, it's relevant to talk about some of these other guys. One of the guys that they're bringing in here is Trenton Simpson, uh, the linebacker from yeah. Clemson. Uh, and and this is this one's an interesting one in terms of I, I don't know that a lot of people would be thrilled with a Trenton Simpson pick. Uh, I, I mean, I think you already it's easy probably because of Clemson and he's a freak athlete for people to go. Oh, he's Isaiah Simmons. Right. Uh, that one gets thrown around a little bit. But uh, Trenton Simpson, a, a fantastic athlete, big time college pedigree. Your, your thoughts on Trenton Simpson. And then maybe we'll discuss a little bit some of the linebackers around. Him. Yeah, it's 6'2", 235. I thought this guy was a really good – I see him as inside linebacker. Have him on my stack, on my board, and the inside linebackers in the second round is where I have him. So, But he's one of my – he's one of the top guys. When you start to talk about the inside linebackers, and I'll put out my board here so everybody can see that. But, you know, uh, like Sanders is from Arkansas outside. Simpson from Clemson inside. Campbell from Iowa inside. So – my second round linebackers inside Simpson and Campbell would be that guy. Then Henley all the way down Washington state in the third round, just to give you an idea where I've got my guys. But the thing with Trenton Simpson is that he moves and reacts really, really well. And when he can cover some ground, when he's on the move, he's got physical power. There's some pop. There's some strength to his game. He's got some sideline to sideline to his game. He plays downhill. I didn't see him get knocked back or pushed off balance. He was always attacking. He doesn't, you know, he, you know, he's always, you know, he, he's avoiding blocks by playing on the move, which doesn't mean he gets hooked up a lot, but I mean, he can use his hands. He finishes well, the leverage part of it. If you watch the North Carolina state game, he kind of played as a spy in that game was used as a blitz or some, you got to love the way this guy attacks the ball. I mean, he's a forward player to him. So I kind of like the toughness, the hard nose. I just don't see him coming off the field, but you know what? Like I say, I didn't see him as that like enough for me to put in that first round. I think he's probably a a player that's somewhere between you know maybe twenty one and twenty eight, where you kind of figure out where uh, where he is on your board. So the the name that I want to throw in here, I want to throw in a couple other linebacker names here because if if they're considering a Trenton Simpson potentially at twenty six. Um, maybe there are other names that we should be talking about here. One of the guys that I know you have not been as high on as some of the, some other folks. I think I actually like him, uh, more than you do. That's Drew Sanders from Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sanders, a local guy from Denton Ryan? Um, but, but what are your thoughts on Sanders and is, is it a thing where you just don't buy into the hype of him being like a top 15 player or you don't necessarily even know that you'd feel comfortable at 26? I, you know what? I He's another guy, again, I mentioned it. I have him in the second round. And, you know, this guy, he was a transfer from Alabama. And so 6'4", 235, the guy can flow. He keeps his eyes on the ball. I like the way he reacts. I like the awareness, the instinct. You know, there's things about him, though, that there's a there were a couple of snaps where he got caught up and he wasn't getting to the ball. You know, I mentioned about the flow and stuff and keeping his eyes and react. But if you say something you don't like about the guy, I, I thought there was a couple of those snaps where he just he didn't do exactly what he needed to do to, to get off and to make the play. I, I think that the thing about him is that he got power in this guy. It's 6'4", 235. 
he can walk blockers back. I mean, you see some mm-hmm. leverage and power. That's as a pass rusher. So you do see that time, like I say, to walk those guys back. He could get the quarterback on the ground. I mean, if you're talking about a guy now, this is interesting because you know when you start to talk about Micah Parsons, I can't show you film where Micah Parsons and people like oh Broadus, you just didn't look. I could show you film where Micah Parsons wasn't in college used at Penn State as a rush end. I could show you film of Drew Sanders being a linebacker and a rush end. I could show you that if you said, "Oh well, hey, Drew Sanders is as a as a as a rusher, uh, he's get he got you know he got five sacks, six sacks." I could go back and show you at Arkansas where he did that. You know, so to me, that's where if you're looking for that type of guy that could be maybe the opposite could play linebacker, but also give you some pass rush. That's kind of where Drew Sanders is. I think his height and his length also gives him some chance as a, as a, in some coverage. But I think that because of his movement stuff too, but I'm kind of feeling like his rush ability is better than his drop ability. Yeah. I, I think that if you were to look at, I, I think that he, he draws some comparisons to me at least in terms of the skill set. Uh, to a guy like uh, the way Anthony Barr was coming out, um, a, a little bit less. Uh, I like think I think Barr was a little bit better rusher. I think that's Barr what I was about to say. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like Sanders is a little bit better natural linebacker. linebacker yeah, Barr is a better rusher. So he's yeah. whereas Barr was kind of like an edge linebacker hybrid. He might be yeah. a linebacker edge hybrid. I remember, uh, yeah, I remember real quick, Bobby, going to the uh, we were at Valley Ranch, mm-hmm. and one of the last few times we were at Valley Ranch, and I remember leaving my office and walking down the hall, and I saw Will McClay's light on in his room, so I knocked on the door, poked my head in there, and he was putting together a tape of Anthony Barr UCLA as a pass rusher. You know, everybody's talking about him. Uh, is he an end? Is he a linebacker? And I remember sitting there with Will, and we were watching him play. And Will's like, I'm like, what are you trying to sell him as? And I'm trying, he goes, I'm trying to sell him as a rusher. I'm trying to sell him as a rusher to my guys. And so that's that, you know, I don't know if you could sell Sanders just as a rusher, but I think you could sell him as a, as a good enough linebacker that can rush. Yeah. And like I said, he, he's not quite uh bar as a pass rusher. And I no. think, I, I think that, but I mean, I think you see some of the other things. I think you see similar athleticism. I think you see a, I think you see guys who both had some trouble with eye candy playing as linebackers on their college tape. That that's so, some of the misdirection stuff got both of them. Um, you know, maybe maybe the better comparison is a better rushing version of what Vander Esch was coming out. Sure. Vander Esch was a guy who his problem is something that Sanders says. Remember, Vander Esch had problems getting off of blocks. Getting off blocks, yeah. And and that doesn't I don't see that as much with Sanders. Sanders' instincts are not as good. That's that's the biggest question I have with him. The other linebacker that I'm curious about, a guy that I really, really like, and I don't think is getting enough discussion, but should we have Day and Henley from Washington State God, in the same I love that guy. With Sanders? Should yeah. he be in the same conversation with Sanders and Simpson? Absolutely he should, but you know, the coward I am have him in the third round, and he's actually probably a better player than that. I bet you he goes before that when you start to talk about the inside linebackers you know, that, that I've seen, but you know, he's six, one, he's two twenty five. People might be turned off by his size, but this guy's got a nose for the ball, man. Instincts, recognition. When he sees it, man, he is gone. I mean, he is a great job of attacking. His mission is to be the first guy there. You see it every single time with the way that he runs, that he is going to try to beat everybody to the football. He's a really good open field tackler. He true wrap up guy. And he plays downhill, and he plays in a hurry, and he's tough as he's a tough as a boot. Is one of my notes that I said about him, and I love the I love the fact that like he's a hard guy to fool. You mentioned about Sanders and some of the eye candy and the misdirection stuff like that. Yeah, this guy's not going to be out of position. Nope. Galen Henry is not he is not going to be out of position uh, when you watch him play. So uh, two more names here on the defensive line that we see they're visiting. Uh, the the first one is from LSU. Go Tigers. Uh, Go Tigers. Roy 
uh, the defensive tackle, 6'3", 305, Baton Rouge native, uh, a guy that the Cowboys are, are visiting here. Uh, your thoughts on Jacqueline Roy as a, a potential? This would be, at least for me, Brian, I don't know about you, this for me would be more like a third or fourth round guy. Yeah, no, I think you absolutely have him right. And and to be honest with you, let me see where I exactly where I put him there off the top of my head when we're starting to look at these uh these defensive linemen. Uh I have him I actually have him in the fifth round myself, is where I've got him. And I know the Cowboys are probably a lot higher on him uh than others. Uh, but I kind of feel like that uh that you know he's a guy that he was highly recruited out of LSU. And you mentioned he's yep. from Baton Rouge. He was projected as the next best big thing for the LSU defense. And the more you watch, the more you like the way he plays. But he's a little tight in the way. So he doesn't always like, you know, when you watch him play in the gap, the leverage and stuff like that. But his upper body strength and power is he's got a lot of energy. You know, he could, he's got a, he's a guy could kind of play a couple different ways. He could one gap up the field. What I mean, one gap is you take that shoulder and you just fire the gap. And then you also can get him to play some two gap where he'll extend his hands. He'll look inside, look outside, and then he'll, you know, but he needs to be a little bit more consistent taking on blocks. I think there's, there's, there's been some limited starting experience though with him at LSU, but you know, he, he's just got to get better with his pass rush plans and stuff like that. He's really disrupted because of his power. He's not going to win with pass rush moves because he's just going to try and bully guys. That's kind of how I see this guy playing. The other guy that they uh, that we have on the 30-visit list of the five that are confirmed right now is Tyler Lacey, the defensive end from Oklahoma State. I know that's a guy you haven't uh, been able to watch it. No. I watched him last week just because I knew he was eligible for a local visit. Right. And so I was anticipating he was going to get invited because of that. And he, he, I guess, is getting the national visit just from the reports. I trust the report that we're hearing. It came from Calvin Watkins. And they have visited local guys as nationals before because you get different things you can do with guys when they come as nationals as opposed to just a local visitor. Um, but Tyler Lacey, man, at Oklahoma State, that's a guy who, when you look at the build, just the build, Brian, it's a, it looks like the – you know, the the laboratory-created defensive end. He's 6'4", he's 280. Mm. The arms are, I think, 34. If not, they're just, they're just close. The hands are damn near 11. Um, so just like a big, powerful – but the stunning thing is that when you hear a frame like that, what do you think, Brian? What, what do you think the play style is just when you hear 6'4", 280, long arms, big hands, like you think power, right? right. Like, like you, well, yeah, like that's, you think a strong side yeah, defensive because- end. Par- exactly. Parcells taught us that the 6'4", 6'5", 285 is usually what we call a five technique or a head-up defensive end in a 3-4. Because you talk about length, you talk about hand strength, you know, you talk about, I mentioned the ability to two-gap, inside, outside, control the blocker at the point of attack. That's that when uh, I go all the way back to a guy when we first started putting guys together, Chris Canty, who was drafted by the Cowboys. Again, I know that goes way back in the day. But yeah. you know the, that that uh, that uh, a 2005 draft. I and, and I know it was a long time ago. But the six four six five two eighty five guy at defensive end was always what we called a, a five technique or a head up player. Yeah, and L- Lacey's a guy who also like with all those measurables. You're talking about a guy who benched thirty reps Jeez. at the combine. Well, now, and okay, so, that's so impressive. That- yeah, yeah, but you hear that? You hear that, Brian? You watch it. There is a stunning lack of power when he plays. Oh. It's it's unreal how often he gets. What's pulled. my phobia? What's my what? What do we call that thing? I when I when players don't play very strong, like my offensive tackle. Oh, oh, your your bias. My bias. Yeah, don't. Yeah. please. But you know what? If a guy is long armed and he's benched thirty, what? How many times did you say? Thirty reps. Thirty reps with long arms. Geez, that's hard to do, man. And he's not. But, a you know, the, and that, I got to watch that, him tonight because here's 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 I, the I test. Going, it, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to. That I don't want to spoil. I don't want to get get you in your head thinking uh, like, like I don't. I don't want to to poison the waters for you. But I just think when I saw the guy, I see you look at the frame. You go, okay, that's a lab laboratory built strong side defensive end who should play with. Right. He's a guy who actually, like from what I see, doesn't rush to the chest a lot. He's not a bull because when he bull rushes, he loses. Wow. It, it's it's something that doesn't totally. And then you look at he's a five one one forty guy. He's a seven six three cone guy so there's stiffness 
in the testing. I don't think you see a lot of, you know, fluid hips in, in, in his taste. So to me, it's just, it looks like a guy who looks the part of should be a good strong side defensive end, but hasn't put the tools together yet to be that kind of a player. And so I, I don't know what the thought is with Tyler Lacey. Lacey is not a guy I would pick probably until the sixth round. Um, just because I, I don't like a guy who looks everything about you screams, you should play with power and you don't, you, you, you lose when it, whenever things become physical and, and there's not like a lot of bend there. I will say he, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of nuance with the pass rush. Um, and so that's, that's something that's encouraging that you see there. But to me, I just, I look at it and I go, that feels like somebody who should be a better bull rusher should be a better edge setter should be somebody um, who has more success playing with power than he does. Yeah. You are listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. uh, We love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, It warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, We're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers. Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag where we uh, take questions from our, our dear, sweet listeners. Uh, first question here, let's go with uh, Kyle. Kyle's asking, who would need to be left on the board for you to feel comfortable trading back in the first round, Brian? It's a good question because I would – let me – let's do this. And you help me with this one, Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, me personally, I don't feel like any of the cornerbacks, the top corners are going to be left. I think Porter, I Gonzalez, Witherspoon are all going to be gone. I think Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia is coming. I'm just going through my, my board, my first round guys. I'm going, uh, I don't think your edges are going to be there now. We'll see about Murphy from, uh, Clemson, how close that's going to be. I don't think, I don't think, I think. I think Murphy goes before Nolan Smith. I think Nolan. Okay. Smith okay. There you Murphy. go. Wilson, Anderson, Murphy are gone. I think it'll be close on Robinson. I think Gibbs will be there. And so the, all the quarterbacks, the young Stroud, Levis will all be gone. Skaronsky will be gone. The Okay. This, this is an, let me throw a guy at you, Bob. Let me throw a guy okay. at you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Darnell Wright from Tennessee? What do you think about Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from Tennessee? I mean, at 26, or you mean just in general? If you had to move back, if you had to move back. Um, I mean, I, I, I like him. Uh, are we t- what are we talking about? We're talking about playing him at left guard here? We're talking about playing him at guard because if you look at him, if you, if you, you know, and this is one of those things, I, I wonder if, I wonder if he is a better player than what you're going to get at guard. And I mean, at like the prospect of him playing tackle, and maybe we, you could do it with the with Avila, maybe mm-hmm. Avila, yeah, Avila. Maybe you could do it with him, you know. 
But I wonder at 6'5 and 333 pounds that Wright would be a more of a more of a prospect to play guard and then potentially move to tackle if you had to. But this guy with Wright, I think he is a bully. I mean, mauler, brawler. I mean, you're at guard, you're kind of like if you could come back and here I am thinking about Ron Leary, but that's what worked at left guard for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, and, and I'll say guy. this. I, I think I think what is average to below average athleticism for right at right tackle becomes average to maybe a little above average athleticism at left guard. Yeah. Like, I, just, I, I think the athleticism is more palatable for right if you're talking about playing him at guard than tackle. Yeah. See, that's what I, I'm just – okay, if there are guys like that, I think, I think you're going to probably be missing – I would be surprised if you're missing two of the tight ends. I think you're going to miss. I, one. I, I, I would not be surprised if there's not a single tight end off the board when the Cowboys pick. Like you're saying that Mayor, Kincaid, Musgrave, Washington will all be there. I, I could see it. I'm not saying that it definitely. If that's will. the case, if I that's the case, reasonable. if that's the case, then you could trade back if you're hunting a tight end. If you tell me that Mayor, you, but you might just say, okay, which is the best tight end and let's take him. You know, yeah. Who do you if you like Mayor? Take him. If you got Kincaid higher, take him. You know, I don't think you want to get too cute there. But trading back, I'm not interested in getting out of the first round. By the way, you know, you you you'd love you would love to have that fifth year option on Diggs right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you'd love to, but you know, it's gonna put some pressure on you. But I don't I don't know. I mean, these wide receivers. They might be, you know, you know, Hyatt might be there. I don't think Flowers will be. Johnston, Addison, you talked about Addison being a slider, you know? Potentially, yeah. I like it from where he, he was talked about as a top 15 pick not long ago. And I think just the size, yeah. the testing, all these sorts. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. They, they, they make him ripe to potentially fall. Uh, question from our uh, body, our, our buddy John Owning from Pro yeah. Football. Focus. Happy yeah. birthday, John. It is his Happy birthday. birthday. Today. Yeah. Uh, John's got two questions here, and I don't know if you've got an answer for the second. So I'll give you the first part, which is worst grade you've given a prospect oh. who was picked in the first round. And he also wants to know, have you watched Corey Trice from Purdue yet? Yeah, point? he's the reason why I watch Corey Trice. What do you think of Corey Trice? Oh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Corey Trice. I, I really, really am a big. And let me let me address that one first, if I can. 6'3", 206, 30, yes, yes. arm. Yeah, this guy usually plays as the boundary corner. And for a tall, long guy, I feel like he moved really, really well. I mean, his. I don't know if he's a great, as great anticipation or he's a great guesser. But there are plenty of snaps where you see him play and drive on a ball or he sees it and he'll knock the his share of passes down in coverage. The length is really, really good. The plays the ball well down the field. He does a really good job of locating and making it play. He has a real feel for how to play press coverage. So he can be a hard guy to get away from in that mode. But man, I feel like that his I think he was a lot better of a press player than off. But I'm not saying he was poor at being an off guy. But the ball comes in his direction. The ball skills, the reactions, all that stuff are good. You know, receivers make mistakes when he's around them. You know, like balls are clanging off him and stuff like that. So, Corey Trice from Purdue, number 23, I really, really, really like him a lot. I really do. And then the other question, yeah, the the, the worst grade you've ever had now – I don't know if this is in like your draft show or because you, I know you've said you guys had Shantae Carver in the seventh round and Shantae Carver went. Oh yeah. No, no. Yeah. But, but just let's, let's keep it to like the last, I don't know, 10 years, just in the draft show or who's, who's the worst graded player you had that ended up going in the first. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, uh, geez, I wish I could, I wish I had all my boards. Was was Colton Miller or Tyler Smith? Colton Miller. Colton Miller was probably really low for me because I I didn't I was not a Colton Miller fan coming out of out of UCLA at all. I I I'll tell you what I had Travis Frederick in the third round. You know, where did Travis you have Frederick. Where did you have Cole Strange last year? Cole Strange is isn't uh, oh uh, the, the he was Chattanooga. Yeah, I think Cole I Strange had, guard from Chattanooga, who I think a lot of people felt like was outside the top one hundred. 
when he went to New England. Yeah, I I I I think I had him in. Oh, geez, where did I have Cole Strange? Uh, let me look at my stack real quick. Just talk among yourselves as you would. Yes, Biden. yeah. So I know that, uh, like I said, I know Colton <laughs> Miller was one that was uh, low for Brian. He mentioned there. Travis Colton Miller. Colton Miller was way low. Man, you me. know what? We got way Colton low. Miller, Travis Frederick, Tyler Smith, maybe Cole Strange. It just sounds like offensive linemen that that, that you're lower oh. on than, than the NFL is. And so, uh, gosh, that's it. It's, I'm trying to think who it would no, be. No, no. It's a really, really good. It's a really good question because. I'd have I, to now I will. I'll spike the football on this one. I don't care, and I'm not the the proper evaluator that Brian is probably, and so it may not count. Huh. But I did say I'm gra- doing radio right now. I graded Paxton Lynch in the fourth round, and oh, so I had Paxton Lynch. Yeah, but you were right about Paxton Lynch. I mean, I had but, him way too high. He was one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite. Uh, my favorite uh, quarterbacks in the draft. So yeah, yeah, I was I, mean, I was I, I was not a fan of Paxton Lynch. I'll okay. tell you the reverse. The guy that I had great. Okay, here we go. Was uh, Amara Darbo, receiver from Michigan, who I was certain was going to be a star and was not. Okay, I'm just looking at I'm looking at last year's. Yeah, I'm looking Cold at Strange. last year's. I was looking at last year's stuff. Okay, what was uh, what round was okay? Dean the linebacker. I had him way too high. Way, 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 way too high. The the kid, the Dean uh, from Georgia, right? Nicobe Dean, that? yeah. But yeah, Nicobe Dean had some questions about his knee. That one I think you get a pass on. Um, but where was Cole Strange for you? Because he went in the first, and I remember a lot of people were floored by that. Oh, oh, that's yeah, that's true. Oh, fourth round, fourth round. Oh, see, okay, fourth that's round. probably it then. You had you knew, okay, yeah, you knew fourth. it. You're, you're, there you go. Because yeah, we had Green, Zion Johnson. Uh, Kennard, Sailor, Hayes, Ryan Ingram, and then Gadecki. And that how you say it with Gadecki? Yeah, is that yeah, Luke Gadecki, Luke Gadecki, Luke Gadecki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Strange. So I had, I had, I had Gadecki, Strange in the fourth round is what I had. And uh, yeah, so that would have been my that would have been my highest graded first round. It's funny because you know with the Cowboys, the Cowboys was weird. I had Tolbert in the third. Tyler Smith in the third, Sam Williams in the third, Ridgeway in the third. Oh, you got a bunch of third rounders. That's good. Yeah, but it was like a great. It was a great draft. It was a great draft for the Cowboys if you if you kind of look at it that way. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I had all those guys. I had all those guys picked in the third round: Tolbert, Tyler Smith. Uh, Sam Williams I'm, and Ridgeway. I'm looking. I'm round. looking through the past. I'm I'm looking through the past here. Jordan Brooks, linebacker that the Seahawks took in the first round. That was a guy that I had in uh, the third round. I had Caleb McGarry, 2019 tackle to the Falcons. I had him in the third round. Uh, I, I know I've I've been Ferguson. With- I had Ferguson in the fifth in that draft. This last draft or the, mm-hmm. the last, you know, so. That's weird. So yeah, I mean, there, there there's plenty of them there. But you you, what do you think then? You think the first this was probably Cole Strange in the fourth round? I would I would say Cole Strange. And you mentioned about you mentioned about uh, Shante Carver. I think I told the story about Shante Carver for the Packers. Yeah, we had him in when the he when, yeah we had him in the seventh round when he was picked. Yeah, so that's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. That that does it for us here on the Love the Star podcast. Remember, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, drop in the comments below your pick for uh, pick 26. We'll read out some of your your thoughts on players that the Cowboys could take at pick 26 uh, on the next episode. Until next time, we will talk to you guys later.